This week on Overtime, we take a look at Samson and why he is not the hope from the Avengers. You're not going to miss this one. Make sure you like and subscribe. It'll be life-changing. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message. And before we start talking, welcome to our new set this week. Yeah, a little different. Yeah. We, um, we're, we're down producer Dom today, so we decided to switch it up. Um, so hopefully I uh, hit all the right buttons. That'd be <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. And we're actually at our desks, so this is, this is where we sit and work. Usually. And, um, and it is a happier football moment at the beginning of our podcast this week because Panthers didn't have a game on Sunday. <laughs> That's absolutely messed up. <laughs> Listen, I can love the team and also be thankful that I didn't watch a heartbreaking loss again. <laughs> but I did hear rumor that some of the committee of Panthers fans here at Center City have, it seems to me like they have cast their vote because you received a Panthers hoodie, right? Or a shirt or something? Yeah, so it's Pastors Appreciation Month. So, uh, you know, if, if you're watching this and you have a pastor, make sure you hug on them. If they like that kind of thing, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. it'd be weird. Or not. Um, or not. <laughs> um, but the Quates gave me like this official Panthers, and they're, they're a part of the committee, by the way. And um, they gave me like this official Panthers uh, uh, hoodie. And I didn't tell you this part, but in the bag was also a box of Kleenex. <laughs> That's my favorite. I thought it was incredible. <laughs> that's amazing. Yep. Welcome. Welcome to the heartbreak. But I, I feel like that's their vote. So it, it seems to me like as we keep going through the season, you're more and more likely to get voted in and welcomed to the fandom. Well, I mean, it's a good season for that to happen because it gives everybody a distraction <laughs> from the actual yeah. games. Yeah. So there's that. That's the end of, of football talk. We'll be right back here next week is the Hall of Honor game. Um so they'll be inducting some Panthers players into the Hall of Honor. and um, Any idea who? I think Musin Muhammad. I don't know if he's the only one, but I know I've been seeing him on social media, so I'm assuming that that's him. And, um, yeah, so we'll see. Maybe it'll be our first win of the season. Who are we actually playing next week? Do you know? I want to say the Colts, but that could be totally wrong. But since I'm at my computer... I can actually look because I do keep all the Panthers games in my calendar so that I don't okay. schedule things during Panthers games unless I absolutely have to. That's why uh, Ashley is the president of the committee, uh, <laughs> if anybody was asking. That's why, because she keeps the schedule in her calendar. No, the Colts is the fifth. I can't see which one is this week, so maybe I didn't put it in there. You can vote um, to knock Ashley off of the presidency <laughs> of the co committee because she apparently does not have the right. <laughs> I just, I just have other stuff going on this weekend. <laughs> just a all. couple, but just a couple things. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But anyway, on to Samson. Before we, before I get into asking you like about the message, I just think Samson is such an interesting character because he's one of the first Bible characters that a lot of us hear about if we grow up in church or grow up in Sunday school. So I was just wondering if you remember like being taught about Samson as a kid or what you kind of thought about Samson before getting into the nitty gritty of studying and realizing like this story is really kind of PG-13. Yeah, Samson was always kind of, um, Samson was the superhero of the Bible. Like it was the way that it was always pushed, um, you know, on the flanograms. For those we totally had those too. Yeah. I laughed when you said that Sunday. No one else did. And I was like, they just don't know. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. That's the OG Sunday school. Uh, 
that's that's what they did before computers and projectors. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we either had flanograms or colored overheads. You know, your Sunday school teacher was on yeah. a different level when she brought in the colored overheads. That's true. But um, yeah, so it w- he always came off like it, like almost like the Incredible Hulk of the bible avengers for lack of a better phrase like (laughs) that was always the picture super strong killing all these philistines um but the moment you actually read that story as an adult it gets super complicated super quick and super sticky um he's kind of all over the place Yeah, yeah yeah i feel like when i learned about samson at first delilah was the total villain and delilah is not a like she deserves that title, but it's a little bit more complicated than just this like crazy evil woman coming in and bringing him down. Um, he helped a little bit. I mean, for the record, she is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Evil, I'm not saying that she's not. But he's also kind of a scumbag. <laughs> At times, <laughs> probably strong statement. Sorry, <laughs> but loved by God. But loved and that's by God. kind of the point. Absolutely. Um, I feel like just like. Letting people behind the scenes a little bit. We often throughout the week will kind of go back and forth a little bit on what the passage is, not even in like just specific sermon prep time, but also just like as you're studying. And I feel like Samson was one of the more heated ones because we would go back and forth and just be like, I don't know. I don't see him him repenting or, you know, like, I don't know that he's all that great. Um, but God loves him, and that's kind of the point. I mean, ab- absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think that is some of the problem we have when we navigate through Scripture. We feel like you can only learn from perfect people. Mm-hmm. If they were perfect, they have nothing to teach you. So yeah. when we see the mess and see the hope in the mess gives us assurance that in our mess there is hope Mm -hmm. and i that story this week was tough but in the same breath once i figured out in my head how to put it in its right place um i i once heard it said the only person to glorify in scripture is jesus Mm -hmm. so if you're reading samson or david we do this with david all the time and you find yourself glorifying them as individuals, you'll you'll have a problem really pulling out the fullness of the context of that passage. How is Jesus shown through the life of David? Mm -hmm. How does Jesus show up in the life of Samson? Because technically, some would say quite literally, he does right at the beginning. So, um, and and how through that can he be glorified in the middle of my mess? And I feel like that's the theme of this study. Yeah, and um, we will get into Ruach in just a minute. But it made me think when you were just talking, we often at Center City, we kind of boil the gospel down to hope for the broken and purpose for everyone. And I feel like Samson shows both of those so yeah. clearly that it's not just like God loved him in his mess. There was hope in his mess, but God also used him in a mighty way, yes. despite the fact that he wasn't perfect. So I don't want anyone to hear and be like, oh my gosh, they were knocking on Samson. It's like, but the point of kind of knocking on him is that's how good our God is and they're if God can use Samson, God can use you, God can Absolutely. use me. Um, and that that's why I like studying this story now, even though I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's not as great as my Sunday school teachers led me to believe, but they probably didn't know better. <laughs> 
Or they did, and they were trying to keep your (laughs) innocent mind from some of the the debauchery in this passage. (laughs) It's kind of deep. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, But Samson is a unique character in the Old Testament because he's one of, I don't know how many, but relatively few people that we read about um, having an experience where the Ruach of God comes upon him. And and so I thought you broke down really well in his story the different ways that he interacted with God's spirit. And the first one that we can almost skip over sometimes because we want to go straight to like the dramatic and the powerful is this idea that the spirit stirred him. And so I, I want to talk just a little bit about what that means and what the role his parents played in being someone who the spirit would would stir. Yeah, so in um, in the book of Judges, we are actually introduced to Samson through his um, parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, there's a theme in, in a lot of scripture. You, you find often God will use um, barren wombs to produce these incredible, incredibly influential characters throughout mm-hmm. scripture. I mean, of course, Jesus being the... Um, the example uh, of a miraculous conception, but even before Jesus is, uh, we're introduced to a Mary, we're introduced to Elizabeth, who mm-hmm. has John out of a barren womb, mm-hmm. and I th- I th- you see the same thing in Samson. Um, and instantly, the promise was, we're going to give you this child, but he'll be raised as a Nazarene, um, and he takes the Nazarite vow. And the Nazarite vow basically means that his parents would dedicate him unto the Lord. And there were some things that they had to stay away from um, traditionally. Uh, you know, he couldn't cut his hair, which is the famous one, the one we always mm-hmm. talk about. He couldn't drink wine. That was a big one. So he couldn't, like, even eat grapes, which is kind of crazy. But, I mean, that was a big one. Uh, there was a, uh, a couple other things that we don't talk about mm-hmm. that we just know from Hebrew tradition, yeah. one of them being touching carcasses. <laughs> no. I just laugh because when you mentioned that on Sunday, Jess looks at me and she goes, oh, shucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and it was just this really funny moment of like, yeah, there are some things that were maybe harder than others. <laughs> and technically there's a, a purity concept there too, mm-hmm. which he totally throws out the window. <laughs> but so, which I always found fascinating because it's like, it was his hair. <laughs> like he did all kind of crazy things and completely messed that vow up several times. But it was his hair that caught him. But anyway, yeah. Um, when it comes to the way that the Spirit of God worked um, with Samson, we see five specific times in Scripture where the Spirit of God says that the Spirit of God fell on him. Mm-hmm. So in a in a moment where he needed strength, whether it was dealing with the lion uh, that he faced outside of Timnah, um, dealing with the uh, the debt that he had to pay back because he made a dumb bet, which again, dumb bet. So he ends up killing 30 Philistines to pay for the debt. <laughs> um, whether it's the moving of the gates, which is a crazy story, but basically they trap him in a city and the Spirit of God once again falls upon mm-hmm. him and he lifts the gates of the city up in order to escape, which again, crazy and then there's a time where they did actually capture him and they bound him in ropes and then he breaks the ropes when the Spirit of God falls upon him and he kills over a thousand Philistines mm-hmm. with the jawbone of a donkey. 
lastly, of course, is the temple incident where he uh, knocks over the temple, destroying not just the leadership of the Philistines, but over 3,000 that were kind of hanging out on the roof watching them for their amusement. So in all those cases, kind of the anatomy of how that worked is that Samson will find himself in tough positions and the Spirit of God would fall on Samson. It almost paints this picture of an external falling, mm -hmm. like Samson would be in that moment and the Spirit of God would fall on him. He would be empowered his heart would be stirred and he would do the thing he needed to do in order to escape whatever scenario he found himself in. Yeah. And I do, I do want to get into that a little bit more, but I don't want to miss this idea that before all of that, the spirit of God stirred him. Yes. Um, and that a lot of that had to do with his parents' faithfulness to do what God asked them to do when he appeared, yeah. either the angel or some people do say that that could have been Jesus appearing to his mother ahead of time. Um, just because you made a really good point in that, that I wanted to just ask about where you talked about second um, Corinthians twelve ten, that says, um, or no, sorry, I had, to, I have to scroll higher up in my notes. I've got notes in two places today. People, I'm out nerding myself. Um, <laughs> this is in Galatians 5. Yes. Um, that I just wanted to talk about a little bit how to how to recognize the stirring of the Spirit in yes. our own lives. So okay. that's why I wanted to back up a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah. we get to the rest of it. So we, we read at the beginning of Judges that uh, Samson's parents dedicated him to the Lord. He was blessed. Um, but then later on in life, there was a stirring. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, the, the reason that that's important is because I do think that so much of that stirring was a product of a good home, that mom and dad did whatever was necessary. Again, that blessed concept that the Spirit of God blessed that home. Samson was, um, was a byproduct of that blessing, and it fell on him. And then when he was old enough, that stirring happens. And I think that that happens for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether you're new in faith, you know, maybe you came to the, uh, to, to the faith as an adult. Um, there is a season where you surround yourself with good community and you find yourself in a season of blessing. Uh, it's not that you necessarily have learned how to recognize the voice of God yet. That takes time. It takes that maturation. Um, but in a home, if you're a parent, like that should be, for me, that's always been kind of the, the, the mandate of our home, that our kids would experience blessing. Um, because I know what it's like to have my heart start and listen to the Lord. But my five-year-old and six-year-old maybe doesn't yet, right? So now that my boys are actually walking into that age of maturation, they just turned 13 and we took them to the skating rink because that's kind of our <laughs> uh, ritualistic rite of passage for a young man is to learn how to speed skate or to couple skate in the normal skating direction. And um, then is it a ritual to fall when okay. you're less young okay, man? <laughs> Sorry, you set me up perfectly. We'll, oh. we'll go back to the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that asked the question. <laughs> But, uh, I didn't bring up skating. Yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't. Um, Paul, Paul speaking to the church of uh, in Galatians chapter 5 says, so, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. So he begins to paint this picture that there is this war within us, this tension mm -hmm. between our sinful nature and the Spirit of God that lives within us. And really, th if there's a war and there's a tension the winner of that war is who you follow. Right. So I do believe that as you begin to maturate in your faith, as you begin to get older, it's one thing to live in blessing. It's another to learn to listen to and to allow your heart to be stirred by the Spirit and then follow in obedience. So that's really the picture we see mm -hmm. here in the passage. And I think it's critical. So something that we need to learn is that the Spirit is still stirring. I'm all about 
um, kind of the Pentecostal charismatic expressions of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that next Mm -hmm. week and we'll get into all that. I'm all about that. But I do think from a very practical place, if we're the children of God and the Holy Spirit, the Ruach lives within us, that means that he's stirring us in the everyday practical things. And it's our job in order to win that war, that tension within us to learn how to hear and follow after the leading of the Spirit. Yeah. So what would you say, like, say you're talking to one of your boys um, or a random person, if your boys wouldn't like being used as the example, but we're, we're staying vague here, but like, how, how would you help someone beginning to navigate what it means to recognize that voice of the spirit? Well, I mean, I think we forget sometimes that, um, we have been given what, what, what many people have struggled with, but we've been given a, a template for this. There are boundaries to what the voice of God sounds. Let me phrase that because that's not the right word. There is a description of what the voice sound the voice of God sounds mm-hmm. like that we find in scripture. Like the Bible is really clear. The voice of God would never contradict his word. Like right. so I think that hearing the voice of God begins with the examination of scripture, like a, a consistent study habit. Mm-hmm. Um, because if what God is telling you is quote unquote, uh, if, if what quote unquote God is telling you is different than what you're reading in scripture, it's not God. It's not. Yeah. I will also tell you the scripture, because if you read the scripture, it gives you guidance is quick to say, test that word through wise counsel, mm-hmm. right? So community matters. So I, I think if, you know, I'm sitting down with a, a young believer who's maturated in the faith and trying to figure out this balance between listening to the voice of God. I would say, what does your devotional life look like? How do we get you to a place where you're reading scripture consistently, where you're understanding scripture consistently? Uh, you're, you're, what does your community look like? Are you finding yourself in a place where you're surrounded by men and women of faith who can help you guide uh, some of that thought that you can test it against not just scripture, but the the wise counsel of those around you. So that would be my advice. I had a conversation with somebody recently uh, that was new in the faith and they were asking me a question specific to leadership and kind of what, you know, who they feel called to. And it was incredible that I was able to just point them back to the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can't sit here and say, well, God said this and God said this and God said this. We could also just go to what we know God has said through scripture and, and I, I do believe that that's a critical tool by which every believer needs in order to be able to parse out what the Spirit of God is saying. Yeah, I think that's an awesome answer. Um, so thank you for that. And now we can move to... <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I joked. No, that's I totally <laughs> fine. Um, because I love that you've already kind of talked about the Spirit falling on Samson. And I think sometimes we read these stories and we lose sight of where we live in the story of in the story of God, really, in the story of redemption, in the story of all humanity. And our experience with the Holy Spirit is similar to Samson's, but also very different from Samson's. And I wondered if you would talk about a little bit of the difference between what it looks like for us as believers in Jesus today. So what changes, uh, according to 1 Corinthians um, now, what, now we're at first Corinthians. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that was me. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, what changes according to first Corinthians three actually is we see um, the Holy Spirit, according to what Paul writes, the Holy Spirit goes from external falling on 
to now living within, mm -hmm. right? So all of us collectively become the temple of the Spirit of God. So now the Ruach lives within us. So now our relationship to the Spirit of God is not something I have to wait for or drum up or figure out how to find, or, you know, uh, it's something that I carry. I, you are carriers of the Spirit of God. The Ruach lives within us. And then according to Ephesians, um, the idea is that you are strengthened by that Spirit, and, the, and it uses this term specifically. It says inner strength because now you're not waiting for strength to fall upon you. There is strength that lives within you, and you are strengthened from the inside out. So for every weakness on the external part of what you're struggling with or walking through or whatever battle is in front of you, there is an inner strength that you carry that is the Ruach of God that can breathe life to dead things, that can give strength and weakness, that gives courage and boldness. Like we, we can walk through all of that. But ultimately, that is the nuanced difference between Samson and us, that Samson had to wait. We bring the spirit of God everywhere we go. Yeah. Makes me want to like go right now. Um, but I think if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I feel like in my own life and in the lives of other followers of Jesus that I know, we don't really live like we believe that. Like that I, I just think of, I don't know which gospel it's in, but Jesus telling his disciples when the Holy Spirit comes you will be even greater than John the Baptist, who was like their contemporary version of kind of the last guy that the Ruach of God or the Numa of God fell on because it was pre-Jesus' death and resurrection. And, and he was telling them, like, you will have more power than even John the Baptist did. And they couldn't believe it. And sometimes I feel like we kind of know that the Holy Spirit is accessible to us in this way. Um, not at every whim. I don't want it to sound like I need a parking spot. Okay, Holy Spirit, do your thing. But, um, but I don't think that we live out that reality very often. And I wonder if you've noticed this and, and how you might challenge us to, to think about the reality of what God is offering to us in his, his Ruach or Numa being in us. Yeah, so remember, um, even Jesus said that we would do greater things than him. Mm -hmm. So the sending of the Holy Spirit enables us. He, here's, yeah, uh, why did I go for John the Baptist yeah, when yeah, I could have yeah. gone for Jesus? <laughs> um, here's where I struggle, and, and man, this is going to sound. We have kind of taught a gospel. Uh, I, I don't even like the way this is starting, but we have, <laughs> we have taught a gospel that as long as Jesus empowers you to do your daily routine, that that's enough. Mm -hmm. I think the reason that people aren't seeing God show up in a big way is they're, they're not tackling giants, right? So like we saw Samson face a lion, meaning if the spirit of God didn't fall, Samson would die, right? Mm -hmm. um, he ripped that lion apart as easy as you and I rip goats, according to the passage. I've never ripped a goat before. I don't know why it's just a part of that passage, but it's so crazy. But um, I often feel like, and, and God will show up, and, and this is, um, and, and we, like, so I'm, I'm asking us, like, let's, mm -hmm. let's attack this thing theologically. I feel like what I read in scripture often is God shows up in the life of people who are willing to walk out on the branch mm -hmm. far enough that they hear the branch crack. Like to me, that's always been the, the, the measure of faith. 
if the branch is not cracking, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. But when the branch starts to crack, it means that if God doesn't show up, there's going to be some problems, right? So it means that I have to be committed to the idea that God has called me out to, mm-hmm. to face the giant, to, to stand out in the middle of the Red Sea, to, to like... To build, like to, to build. go back to the Ezra Absolutely, series. Yeah. right? I, I have to feel like I'm risking, but if you don't risk much, there are, there are times where you're like, well, why is not God not showing up? What do you got to show up for? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, again, I think I want to make sure that I'm clear because the Spirit of God lives within us to strengthen us in times of our weakness. But if the only time... We're calling on the spirit of God is to get us through our daily routine. And I, and I understand like, so I understand that there's nuances to this. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's time for the church to be reminded. We are called to swing at, 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 at pitches and, and swing big. The idea of bunting just to get it to first base. That's not the call of the church. Good baseball imagery. You like that? Yeah. It kind of came um, out of nowhere, but I do like it. I, I do think like when you get to the plate, it means that, you need the spirit of God to help you connect. Mm-hmm. If you don't connect, there's no reward. There's like, so I, I mean, I, I can, I can, I, in my personal life, in the life of the people around me, um, we have always, always been like people who burned the boat, right? People mm-hmm. who said, I have this job in, in, in finance and I'm making all this money and this was the path, but then I met Jesus and he transformed me. And now I'm thinking I need to take this risk and change up what I'm doing for the sake of the gospel. It will cost you something. That's the cracking of the branch. But the beauty is on the other side of that risk, God shows up in such a big way that people are like, what the heck? How did Mm -hmm. that happen? So... I don't know if that answers your yeah, question, yeah, but I do feel like for so many, the reason they don't sense the spirit of God showing up in such strength is you're not swinging. You're, yeah. You know, we're not doing things that require the spirit of God. We're doing what we know we can do on our own. And often pray and prayer, God just strengthened me for the routine, mm-hmm. which again, I want to be really careful. I know for some people who are watching your daily routine is a giant, mm-hmm. you know, you're dealing through some mental health issues, you're, you're navigating some struggles of scarred paths. You're working through a season of healing. And I want you to hear from me. You need the spirit of God and strength. Like just waking up and doing your routine yeah. can be the cracking of the branch. But then there's others of you that that's not your case. And really you're just playing safe. And mm-hmm. it's fine, but we're not called to safe. We're yeah. called to swing big. It reminds me of one time I got to hear a man speak and I can't remember his name right now, but he had been um, he had been a missionary in the Middle East who was then imprisoned for years um, for his faith. And um, and I got to hear him speak a year or two after he had been released and brought back to the United States. And I remember one of the things that he said is that he said a lot of times we as the Christian community, we speak fear over one another and we call it wisdom. Oh, that and, is um, so oh my gosh, because <laughs> it's gutting, right? Like, yeah. um, and I do think that's kind of what you're speaking about. And here was someone who risked it all to move with his family and then ended up seemingly like God did not show up for him for a season because he was in prison, felt forgotten. God was working in that time. And I really wish I could remember his, his name, but, um, but at the end of the day, by the time he was at a place where he was sharing about the story, 
he was already like, we need to be taking bigger risks. And, um, and I, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about is we do sometimes settle for safe when God's calling us to that risk, but also empowering us with the Holy spirit. It's not like he's sending us on our own. Yeah. I think, um, for, for so many of us, I think we feel like the promise of the gospel is safety Mm -hmm. and that's not the promise of the gospel. It's not. Yeah. The promise of the gospel is salvation. The promise of the gospel is strength. And life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. So for, for a lot of people, the way that w- the world considers plans. So like, let's talk the 19-year-old who's graduating from high school and contemplating the next step. For the world, there's this always a struggle. We have this calculated risk conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to be an X, but the risk calculation is they don't make a lot of money. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to, you know, I want to be able to support my family. I want to be able to have a nice house. I want to be able, so I'm going to do the thing that's going to make me the most comfortable in, in, in the world's perspective. And even as a parent, there's some of that, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's the gospel consideration that says, no, no, your life is mine. And I'm calling you to the film industry because I feel like what the Spirit of God may be saying to me at 19 years old is that, you know, one day I'm going to be creating films that glorify God. Well, take the risk then, mm-hmm. right? Um, I feel like I'm called to finance because I want to help a generation of people who've struggled financially. I want to step in there with gospel perspective and teach not just financial stewardships, but generosity. Mm-hmm. Like let's, let's power the church to do what the church can absolutely do in a beautiful way, but it's going to require, like that's, that's my call. That's what I feel called to. Well then risk that way. Yeah. Um, I can't, as a youth pastor, one of my biggest struggles was uh, parents who would walk into my office and say, hey, my kid feels called to ministry, but I need you to help me convince him that that's a good plan B. Mm-hmm. I'm just laughing because I remember, sorry, mom. Um, I remember when I was like seven or eight, I told my parents I wanted to be a minister when I grew up and they asked why. And um, I said, well, I, I don't love anyone more than Jesus. And mom goes, you can be a doctor or a lawyer who loves Jesus too. And I, I love actually the spirit of that was her making sure that I knew yeah. that whatever I did, I could do as someone who loves Jesus. And that could be ministry if that's how God called me. But it is sometimes funny. I, um, I've, I've shared that story several times and just like, um, I think, I think what she was saying was out of a good place, but sometimes it can be that desire because we want to see our, our children well cared for and, and have everything that they seemingly need for that comfortable life. Um, so I just thought that was funny. <laughs> no, absolutely. So um, for, a lot, for a lot of people, again, the, the, the struggle that they have is they don't risk according, accordingly as, as, as a child of God. They, their risk measurement is really based off of a, a, a worldly perspective of mm-hmm. a worldly worldview for, and I'm using terms that are all over the place, but I think you understand. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and I think that Paul is real specific that when the spirit leads you, you follow the leading mm-hmm. of the spirit, your sinful nature will attempt to make it sound really good. Yeah. 
but that's not what we're called to follow. We're called to follow the voice of the spirit that right. leads us. Right. And I do want to be really clear that following does not mean vocational ministry. Like there's no following the voice of the spirit is doing exactly what God is asking you to do in your life. That is not meaning that if you are a lawyer or a doctor who loves Jesus, that there that's somehow a lesser choice. I just want to make sure that's clear because sometimes I think people can hear a conversation like this and think, well, if I'm going to step out and take that risk, it has to look yeah, one well, way. And here's my kickback. Okay. Um, every vocation should be ministry. I like that. If you're doing work for the sake of building a future for you and your family, as noble as that sounds, it can't be your number one motivation. Yeah. It's good, man. Number one motivation is moving the, the needle for the sake of the kingdom mm -hmm. of God. That, And you can argue with me. We'll have this conversation Sunday because so much of this is about the idea of purpose and our idea that somehow purpose is crafted around us. It's not. Mm -hmm. We have one purpose collectively. Now, how we get to that and how God uses us to accomplish that purpose is completely on him and completely because he's a God who's loving, has wired us to do that thing. But your vocation is ministry. Yeah, I love that. Now, hear me. I want to also be clear. We need doctors and lawyers. Yeah, What you do from <laughs> nine to five might look different, Absolutely. but it's still ministry. Absolutely. It, it, you just... What I fear is this idea that God is going to bless what I'm doing for the sake of what I'm doing. And that's just not what we read biblically. Mm -hmm. And that's what we find in culture right now, right? Um, the idea is I'm going to build this life and God's just going to bless this life that I build. It's not what he's called you to. Yeah. So. yeah. so if we're going to be the church that steps out in this Holy Spirit empowerment, what does that look like in the immediate future? In the immediate yeah, future? Yeah, like... Like, what does that look like in the next week or two versus, like, five years from now? Yeah, it, mean, it means that um, I would evaluate the work of your hands and the words of your mouth. Mm -hmm. um, uh, is what you're putting your hands to bringing about a fulfillment of that purpose of seeing the kingdom of God expanded? Whether that's putting your hands to, and, and I, I, again, I want to be crystal clear here, as a lawyer, how are you showcasing the love of God to those around you, mm -hmm. right? As a doctor, how are you utilizing? Listen, I, there's not a better ministry mindset in my head than being able to literally reach into dark areas of people's bodies and bringing about life. That's incredible. But then how are you showcasing that life in your conversation? Mm -hmm. Is what you're saying, uh, what you're doing edifying the Lord, but also now what, what are you saying? Is the word out of your mouth building the kingdom of God? If every conversation you have is filled with gossip, I don't care if you work at a church or not, if every conversation you have is filled with gossip and envy and, and bitterness and resentment and is venomous, I'm just telling you, regardless what your title is, regardless what your occupation is, you are not building the kingdom of God. That is destroying the work of the, uh, uh, of the kingdom. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, we are really good at that as a, a church contingent, like a universal. There's just this thing. We're really good at using our words to tear people down. Mm -hmm. And I, I never understand it. Have like you it, been sitting in freedom group. Uh, uh, we no. did words of life this week. <laughs> yeah. What explain that. So talking about the power of our words and, um, that they can have power to bring death. And we often talk about in that way how badly things can go wrong. If you are gossiping, if you are speaking just 
bad things over people, but also the power of our words to bring life that you can encourage someone. And that really means bringing courage to them. And, and your words can actually plant seeds that grow like a wildfire in a good way. But a lot of times we only kind of talk about how to control your tongue and stop bringing words of death, but we can go further than that and bring words of life. I had the uh, opportunity to speak at the Acts Conference this Monday. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the Acts Conference is uh, about 100 and they had about, no, they had over 200. They had over 200 teachers from all over the region uh, from, I think, from Florida to like North Carolina, maybe even like a little bit further north, Mm -hmm. Tennessee, maybe, I don't know. So the region. And um, they all come together and it's uh, Acts is a Christian school conglomerate so some of the some of the bigger christian schools in charlotte were there and it was cool it was cool to sit out in front of them and get a chance to share and and really so philippians 3 is where we we shared from and there's this perspective that if we're going to run a uh, run a race with purpose we have to learn not just how to look not look back but we have to focus on what's ahead mm-hmm. and that picture is that of the eternal and um i'm reminded of godly people who at sensitive seasons of my development were able to speak life that now at 46 when I'm dealing with dark times I'm reminded of what they said when I was in third and fourth grade Mm -hmm. right so your words matter so for the person who's trying to figure out what to do this week what are you putting your hands to do and how how are your words reflecting the kingdom of God if you can figure out those two things I think you're better today than you were yesterday yeah absolutely well where are we headed this week Oh, wow. I mean, it's usually how I wrap up the conversation. So we don't want to talk about how raw the story gets or we don't want to I talk mean, about... I mean, we can. I was just trying to be sensitive to the time. Oh, what time we got there? But, How um, long we've been doing this? 38 minutes. 38 minutes. I can see that now because I'm <laughs> producing here. Yeah, John's switching back and forth as he speaks. Just multi-talented right here. <laughs> this is driving me nuts. I feel like so awkward doing You're this, doing a good but job. you know what? You don't know that. But I don't, know but I see, I see you switching. So I am switching. Um, no, but I, I, I want to sit here for a second because I do think like the, the, the power of this study is in his brokenness. Because mm-hmm. where we find Samson at the end of the story, so you remember like Delilah gets all crazy. He, here's the truth. His biggest issue was women from the beginning to the end, whether it was mm-hmm. prostitutes, his first wife, something crazy happens there. He ends up, it just gets gnarly. And then, well, her, he's not the only one who gets gnarly in that first wife situation because they just marry her to someone else. Um, yeah. This and, story. I know. It's this nuts. story. It's better than any Netflix. <laughs> like, they just, they need to like, and I, I hate saying this, it can't be like a Christian film company. It needs to be a non-Christian film company. That's horrible. They'll, yeah. they'd mess but I get it what too. you're saying to not like, kind of clean up all of the actual story in the Bible. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, Delilah steps into the picture, actually ends up being his demise. We He gets captured, and they instantly blind his eyes. And I think that's critical um, because what we find Samson is walking in circles around the grain grind, mm-hmm. right? And now he's doing the work that they breed donkeys for. Isn't that crazy? You said this multiple times in both services that he was walking around with no vision. And I think the way that we use those words, like he literally had no eyes at this point, but we talk about the grind. 
Yeah. And so he was just walking in circles, grinding in circles with no vision. And I feel like even though none of us have ever been hooked up to a grain grind, every single person can picture either because they have experienced that themselves or someone they love has been kind of caught in that trap. It was just a really good, a good image, good word use. I think ultimately, like, this is the crux of the story. We rave about the strength of Samson, and we forget that his weakness is something that we can relate with more than his strength, mm -hmm. right? So bald, blind, on the grind, just in circles. Every one of us have been there. Yeah. Every one of us knows what it's like to live life directionless. And when we have no direction and we're constantly on the grind, we do live life in circles, right? Mm -hmm. We just repeating the same issues over and over again, feeling the same sense of why am I doing this living way beneath our destiny. Um, but then the Ruach of God, in a moment, mm -hmm. he prays a simple prayer of remember me. And that's really kind of why I wanted to continue yeah. the conversation. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to do it. That idea of remember, remember me is a, is a tough one to really get our head around. Because I guess I'll ask you, does God ever forget us? I would say no. He doesn't, but sometimes we need that reminder that he's close. Like we call out for things. I call out for things from God all the time that I, I know he's here, but I'll just be like, I need to feel your presence right now. And I think it's that type of thing when Samson's calling out, remember me. It's not that God has forgotten him. It's that he needs that reminder. So good. I mean, that's it, right? That in our weakest point, the psalmist says that, um, I make my bed in hell and there you are, mm -hmm. right? Um, David calls out in the middle of his sin and, and debauchery and in need of forgiveness and repentance, he calls out, God, remember me in light of your glorious love, which, mm -hmm. by the way, is my favorite prayer in Psalms because it's not just like, Hey, remember me, but I need to be reminded that you love me, I, that you don't see me through the lens of my failure. You see me through the lens of my, of your love for me. Mm -hmm. uh, just little side note, um, as a church family, we need to view people through the lens of the love that Christ has for them and not through the lens of their failure. Yeah. Um, Hannah in the middle of her infertility and struggle with barrenness, she cries out remember me uh the thief on the cross which you brought up um why does the thief on the cross speak to you so much because this isn't the only time you've brought him up um i think it's such a great example of someone who did nothing to earn their salvation i mean he's literally at the end of the life end of his life he's had no encounter with jesus up to this point he is being sentenced to death, which means he probably didn't like steal a loaf of bread for his family. Yeah. You know, we have our picture of honorable thieves, and I don't think that he's even one of those. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't have and, put him um, on a cross for And that. yet in that moment, all it takes is for him to say, Jesus, I believe you're who you say you are. Remember me. And, and that's it. Jesus says you'll be with me in heaven today. That's um, the best part of that story. Yeah. That it wasn't like, remember me. Because I think even if... If, if it was me, I would have been so focused on my current pain. Mm -hmm. But what Jesus offers in that moment is so beyond the remedy for his current pain. It is yeah. forever. Today you will be with me in eternity, in paradise. It's just such a great response. Mm -hmm. So I do think when we feel 
blinded living life with no vision on the grind, strengthless, weak, living in circles, that when we cry out, God, remember me, it's less of a call to God and more of a call to us. But I also think it's an invitation of the spirit mm -hmm. of God to step into our weakness and show strength. Yeah. That seems to be a theme of a lot of what we've been studying for the last several days, that here's this incredible ruach of God that he makes available to every last one of us, but we also believe that God is a God of invitation. Mm -hmm. And he's waiting on that moment for you to take the risk and to make the petition known. Um, I'm reminded uh, Moses takes the risk, steps out, and then makes the petition known. David gets on the battlefield, takes the risk, and then... You know, today uh, uh, I'll hand your your carcass over to the birds of the the the, the field, right? Like this this huge treacherous thing, mm -hmm. and then it, there's there's this petition. God show up, and he and he absolutely does. Um, in the life of so many of the the heroes of faith, we see in moments where they take the risk and make the invitation known, the ruach of God steps in and shows up in immeasurable ways. And I just I think it's time for us to write our own stories mm -hmm. about taking those risks in the middle of our weakness when we when we feel like we're on the grind and have no vision and directionless that we would take those risks, step out, make those requests known and watch God show up in a big way for his glory's sake. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready too. Can I ask you where we're going now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, no, no, it's fine. No, it's perfect. It's a great way to close this all off. Where we are going next is we talked about it already a little bit. We're mm -hmm. going to talk about power for the purpose. Um, you know, Jesus leaves and on his way out, he's like, but it's good that I leave. And I've always struggled with that because I'm like, no, it's not good if you leave. Just stay. And I understand the disciples longing to cling to him to the point mm -hmm. that he's got to say, back off. <laughs> like, yeah. you need to back off because I got to go. And, and I, I, you know, you clinging on to me right now is not a good idea for you, bud. But um, when I go, what I will send you, you really want. Mm -hmm. And so, like, are you living the type of life that what Jesus sent in the way of this gift of the Ruach, it's so inner twined with who you are and empowering in every moment are you living the type of way that takes full advantage of this incredible gift that he gives us gosh so. that's a, even that image of like or are you holding on to jesus too tight like in a selfish way always hold on to jesus oh yeah, yeah absolutely but um but that picture of like because part of why he said he had to go was so that the spirit could come to everyone and jesus was one man who could be one one man, he could reach a lot of people, but he was one human physically in the moment. And that's just, a, I don't know, just when you were sharing that, I was like, man, or are we just holding too tight yeah. to Jesus and not stepping into what the Spirit is inviting us to? Well, I do think that um, there's something to be said. Or like gatekeeping Jesus. Yeah, there's something to be said, and, and we can do another 20 minutes and probably yeah, we'll know, do an hour next week. <laughs> no, no, um, but there is something to be said of this um, cultural Christianity that says he's my Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if the intention of the transformation of Jesus in your life is only so that you can feel better about you, you're missing it. Yep. And uh, I can't wait to dive in. I can't either. Ruach. It's yeah. been fun. I know. We're both it's saying it better. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, I had a I had 150, uh, 200 plus teachers say it yesterday. That's awesome. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>
Cool. Well, we'll be right back here. We'll be streaming at 11 a.m. on Sunday, but we'll be live 9 and 11 and would love for you to join us. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.